Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast to where we talk about professional wrestling, past, present, and possibly the future. You, you see how I put some gravel toss on there? The future, because we don't know what the future holds for us. It is 2019. Uh, we do not have flying cars yet. Uh, we do not have hoverboards, although you call those pieces of trash that you put on your feet and then roll around on the concrete and bust your ass hoverboards. They don't fucking hover. They're just damn sideways skateboards. That's all it is with two wheels. So um, the future is getting there. But in any case, we're here talking about professional wrestling. Um, I haven't done one of these in a while. It's been since uh, the TLC pay-per-view and um, just within the past, uh, what, 24 to 48 hours we've had Wrestle Kingdom 13 and New Year's Dash so we'll be talking heavily about that and some of the um, products in between and uh, my guest with me returning is the man the myth the legend the brother with the 20 inch pythons <laughs> Mr. Anomaly how are you sir how you doing mean Rob brother <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mean Gene Oakland. Oh man, that 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 <sighs> he was older. Yeah. I mean, and, um, I don't know the circumstances of his past, and I, I didn't think it was to illness or anything. It was just his time. But in light of that, I went back and I watched like some of the greatest moments between him and the Macho Man Randy Savage through their interviews and everything, and that shit had me cracking up all day. <laughs> Man, I don't couldn't nobody do it like Mean Gene. He was definitely a legend, and I mean, like guys like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, he helped make their career. You know, he seriously did. And the guy could keep a he kept a straight face while Macho Man did some of the most hilarious shit. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> I mean, just a cup of coffee. That's all this is is Ricky Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Oh yeah. And I mean he just kept a straight face and you know he went to bust out laughing. I mean he, I mean Gene was a class back. You you bring that up and I'm just like kind of flashing through my mind right now just some of the interviews that he was involved in. And um he, you are right, man. He he never broke character and nothing. I mean, he always kept a straight face. He kind of rolled with the punches and ad-libbed where he needed to and everything. I mean, he was like one of the perfect announcers, ring announcers or interviewers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, even the, the infamous Booker T interview with Hulk Hogan, <laughs> I mean, Sensational Sherry busted out laughing. Me and Gene kept a straight face and, you know, he was like, yeah. damn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mean Gene just went on without a beat or whatever because he said Hulk Hogan, yeah. we're coming for you, and then he's just like, "All right, very well." And then, you know, you can see Booker T hiding his face in his hands, and Stevie Ray kind of like, "Oh shit!" And Sherry in the yeah. background like, "Oh lord." Yeah, and I mean, Mean Gene's like, "There, harsh words from the heart of me." I mean, he he was that man. I mean, no one did it better. And I mean, I sit back and I remember hearing him on commentary, which was very rare. You didn't really yeah. hear him on commentary, but 
I remember hearing him on a Coliseum video in like 82 or 83 with him and Gorilla Monsoon doing um, doing play-by-play on a match of Greg Ballantyne's. And he kept, it was just, he was actually a very good commentator. And I mean, the guy knew the sport like no other. I mean, he kept, he kept on bringing up Greg Valentine's dad, Johnny Valentine, and how great and tough a competitor he was. And it, it was WWF programming, and he was bringing up, you know, all, like some of the stuff that he did in the NWA, talking about the dog collar match with him and Piper. And mm-hmm. that was unheard of back then. Yeah. The WWF had this, um, you know, no one exists but us type answer. Yeah, I mean, back they, and he was bringing that up. Yeah, they kind of still have that now. You know, I mean, they very yeah. rarely bring up another company and everything. And then, um, uh, to that point or whatever, I'm, it's a breath of fresh air to when you venture outside of WWE and um, you hear. I mean, it even kind of trickles down a little bit to NXT and everything because they do you know, very seldomly mention other promotions on NXT, but it's a breath yeah. of fresh air to when you go to another promotion and you listen to their commentary team, if they have a good one and how they reference everything, the whole scope of that character's professional career. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Kevin Kelly and Don Callis, yeah. I think they did a good, a good job this year at Wrestle Kingdom. I, I, Hats off to those guys. I mean, Don Callis is one of the best in the business anyway. He really is, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Now, um, I also am about to beg of your personal opinion on this individual. What do you think of Matt Stryker as a commentator? Of Matt Matt Stryker? Yeah. I think think he's a very good commentator, actually. Okay. And yeah. I think he was I think he was a good wrestler as well. And the thing I like about Matt Stryker that most people wouldn't realize, he loves the business. Yeah. And he is he's a student of the business. He is one of these guys who could you could sit down and have a conversation with about wrestling, kinda like me. Mm-hmm. I mean the guy can he can get back to the gotchas and the hackishmits and I mean he's a he's a a wrestling connoisseur. He really is, and I mean, hats off to the guy. The guy lost his job as a teacher to yeah. try out for the WWE. Yeah, I, mean, I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> he he lost his job to pursue his passion. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, I I kind of felt like, I don't know. He he was definitely a mid-card guy. He was never a main inventor. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think if they would have pushed it the right way, he could have possibly gotten the IC title. Yeah, but they never really pushed him because the guy had all the talent. He was good on the mic. Yeah, but they just never pushed him. But I think you know his position now because of that is you know where he was meant to be, and I, I and, you know, I believe if you asked him, he would like to wrestle. I mean, I don't know if he does independently or not, but I feel that he is more at home being a commentator than he would be a professional wrestler. I haven't heard of him wrestling in a very long time. Yeah, that does that doesn't mean he hasn't been, but I have not heard of him putting on the you know the tights in a very long time. Yeah, uh, I do think that New Japan made the right decision not letting Jim Ross cover Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I think I think that was the right decision. I think you got a winning team with Kevin Kelly and and Don Callis on your big shows, and I think Rocky Romero filling in for Callis yeah. when he doesn't. 
Man, Rocky Romero is that fucking man. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, especially on the commentary role because he's been with that company and he has um, well, what I think some workings with him behind the scenes as well. So, I mean, if you have to put somebody to fill in, you know, he would be the prime candidate because he knows that company in and out. Yep. And he also turned down WWE money to stay with that company. Yeah. I mean, they, they offered him a head training position, trainer position at NXT, and he turned it down. I mean, a lot of people do not realize Rocky Romero is that fucking man. I mean, the guy is in the ring. that He's seriously best, one of the best to ever do it. I mean, but that's, that's the whole thing now. It's like a lot of guys are just now getting into New Japan and overseas wrestling, and they yeah. don't realize who Rocky Romero is. Mm-hmm. They just know him as a silly guy that comes out with – with Rapunky 3K and Axel Silly and yells Flava, and they don't even know who the fuck forever Hooligans was. Yeah, I, 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 what happened to his partner, man? He retired. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he retired. Was it medically, and or then, just he just was done? I think he was just done. Okay. Yeah, because he was pretty good too. I could just remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh man, dude, I, I think that match. Between Red Dragon, the Young Bucks, Forever Hooligans, and somebody, I can't remember who it was, at Wrestle Kingdom 9. I think that match made more people fall in love with New Japan in the United States than anything else. Yeah. Because they went out there and put on a fucking show that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, that was it was a working effort. I can't think of the fourth uh, team that was in that match, though, for some reason. You know, and I vaguely remember the match in Wrestle Kingdom 9 was um, the event that really introduced me to Shinsuke Nakamura and which got me kind of trying to be more consistent at watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, is you everyone in the United States can thank Jeff Jarrett for that. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Jarrett is the one to put that together. So the next time a cocksucker wants to say something about Double J being in the Hall of Fame, you could thank him for giving you New Japan, you fucking assholes. Yeah, now you can get it really accessible on Fight TV, and uh, all the New Japan world has morphed into uh, a better user-friendly uh, content page, so you can get it yeah. there. And um, I would highly recommend it if um, you want to be in with the New Japan product, I highly recommend that you get New Japan World. I mean, you can order all yeah. the events on the Fight app, but you're paying like 30-something dollars. I mean, where New Japan World is like nine ninety nine a month. But if you feel like you're going to do it very seldomly, I mean, you know, you can go the Fight app route. I'm not going to completely bash it, but if you want to get that backlog and go back to that Wrestle Kingdom 9 that me and him are speaking about, I would recommend the freaking uh, New Japan World app. Or even Wrestle Kingdom 7. Yeah. Or Wrestle Kingdom 8. You can see why Finn Balor is considered that fucking man. Because if it wasn't for his matches that he was having in Wrestle Kingdom, he would never be in the WWE. I believe it was the paint. Well, <laughs> no. I, th- I tell you what. If you watch that match between him, Ibushi, and, and, and Loki, that was one of the greatest triple threat matches i ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And his entrance was fucking wicked. I'm talking about that was some Undertaker shit. I, I've let my kids watch that match. I let them watch it the first time, and then they begged to watch it at least four more times since then. So, I mean, and that's And then I'll say this before we start to roll into the Wrestle Kingdom talk. Kota Ibushi, mm-hmm. 
that yes. that dude is almost 40 years old. And he don't look it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that blew my mind. And the only reason that I looked it up to see how old he was, because um, like I said, we were talking about Don Callis and them, they doing their job on the announce, on the announce team. Yeah. Him and Osprey was having a match and he was like, Will Osprey grew up watching Kota Ibushi. And I was like, what? Yep. What the fuck you mean? What you mean grew up? I thought they was the same age. So I, I, I get on Wikipedia and I'm like, holy fuck, this dude is 38 years old. And Will Ospreay is like yeah. 26. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, yep. Hats, he's, a, he's an old man. He's aging very gracefully. Yeah. Hats off to that dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's one of the top performers in the world. He also turned down big WWE money, but. Yep. Uh, from what I'm hearing, he may be there here soon. Yeah, because uh, shit's changing. So, you know, yeah. with that being said, let's get in to uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um, <sighs> w- w- we we had this uh, little pre-discussion before we started proper or whatever. Um, yeah. As far as the overall scope, I know we kind of doing this backwards before we break down the matches, but the overall scope of the pay-per-view as a whole, how did you feel about it? It was better than anything WWE did in 2018, mm-hmm. but it was not what I was expecting. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, I've seen every Wrestle Kingdom ever, and that was the worst one in the history of New Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, you all can all thank Harold me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was almost like watching a high-grade WWE show. Yeah. Uh, with the except, there was a lot of high points in it. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of high points, but the only strong style type match I seen was Tetsuya Naito and Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh yeah, damn. And that's kind of well. I mean, we'll bring that point up when we get to that match. Let's just go down the card yeah. real quick. Um, this is how I pulled it up. Um, we started with the um, pre-show, which kind of fucked me all up because I mean I'm not used to catching the pre-show on the stream on like on because I watched it on the replay. I didn't watch it live because it was like two o'clock in the morning or some shit. But yeah. um, they started off with a, a pre-show ma- series of matches. It was a number one contender gauntlet match for the yeah. never open weight six man tag team titles. Yep. So um. What do you think about that whole all exchange or whatever? Um, I think who wound up winning? Um, gosh, it was a uh, uh, Toga Makabe and um, Taguchi and uh, ah, what's his name? Guys, you gotta forgive me. I just got back from the gym. I'm still kind of exhausted. Yeah, um, that, that weight brain going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think a dude's name. I cannot think of it. I'm having a brain fart. But that's who won it. Uh, and they did lose at New Year's Dash anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I was, I would honestly say that match was better than any match in the WWE in 2018. I'm not just saying that, but I mean, that match, those guys was hungry because that wasn't considered an actual Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm-hmm. So, so I think they w- really went out there to, you know, show the, show their worth to the company more or less, but prior Wrestle Kingdoms, there, there, 
there had normal been a tradition of a battle royal type Royal Rumble. Mm. And I really missed that this year. I yeah. mean, they didn't have it and I kind of missed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you think that is. I think that's got a lot to do with Harold Me. Okay. Um, I really do. I'm not just putting it out there, but I mean, to me last night, I mean, to me, when I watched Wrestle Kingdom, it really looked like they was trying to be the WWE in a way. Yeah. And uh, that's not good because the main reason people started getting into New Japan was to have an alternative from the WWE. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm just kind of, uh, they really, the management is taking the life out of the company, I, I think, because I've really looked at the performers' faces when I watched it, and it just wasn't there. The fire wasn't there. The drive wasn't there. The passion wasn't there. It was like they was just there to get a fucking paycheck. Yeah. I, you know, and I did kind of feel that as well. It's just like um, what I told you off air. The Overall, the show seemed like it was just, ugh. it was just there. It just seemed like a normal you know, show you wouldn't, it wasn't on the caliber of like previous Russell kingdoms or even a WrestleMania or anything. Cause they tout this as their WrestleMania. So, I mean, it was just like a regular plain ass show to me, like something I could watch on access. Yeah. And, um, you know, we can go on through the card, uh, the next match. Cause I mean, no one really cares about the never open way titles. Let's just be honest. No one cares about those six man titles. No, it's just kind of a thing to have. Oh, well, you, we got a belt. Get get the fuck out of here. No one cares about that title. Let's just be real. It's a worthless title. They don't really need it. It's just a show filler. Yeah. The second match, of course, was the main, the opening uh, match. Yeah, Will Ospreay and, it was and uh, Ospreay Ibushi. and Ibushi. And that was for the Never Open Weight Championship. Now, that title means something because that's their title saying because they really specify the weight classes yes. in Japan. So that's their way of saying, OK, we can have a heavyweight against against a light heavyweight. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that's and, that's kind of a part of their appeal as well, that they stick so closely to the weight classes or whatever. And it's like you can't just be a junior heavyweight and challenge a heavyweight. You have to declare yourself as a heavyweight and, you know, and make the uh, actual physical weight change to do so. Yeah. And, um, okay, let's, let's get to the nitty gritty on this. The last podcast me and you did, we started talking about the exodus of new Japan where guys were going to start leaving. Yeah. And, and, we talked. We also talked about all elite wrestling was about mm-hmm. to pop off, yeah. and lo and behold, it did. Uh, and this was kind of a culmination of that exodus, and it's because of Harold Me. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. This guy took over the company. He put a British douchebag in charge of talent, and they're trying to run it like a Fortune 500 company. And these guys are responding as, "Okay, let's just get this fucking paycheck and get this over with." Yeah. Uh, even the Kota Ibushi Will Osprey match. That was that was a great match. Don't get me yeah. wrong. If I was to give it a five, star, I would give it a five star. Mm-hmm. But the passion wasn't there. Yeah. And Kota Ibushi, I'm trying to tell you, Kenny Omega has been offered a very lucrative five year deal with the WWE, and if he takes it, Kota is coming with him. Mm-hmm. He's going. It's just that simple. Wherever Kenny goes. Kota is going to go. If Kenny's moving to the States, 
Coda's going to follow him. So, just and they're offering him, I think it's $25 million over a five-year period? Yeah. So we would turn that. Let's just be honest. I'm I'm not the biggest WWE fan, but who in the fuck would turn down twenty five million for five years? It's true. Yeah, I mean that, that's that is a sweet deal, but I mean I don't know, man. It's just like you can have all the money that you can handle, but I mean, is it you know metaphorically speaking? But is it worth your soul? You know, because I mean these guys have preached about the passion they have for professional wrestling and actually changing the business and doing all this stuff and stuff and whatever. Do you yeah. think he's going to fold that easily? I think that if they give him creative control mm-hmm. of his character yeah, and they give and they tell him we're going to push you to the fucking moon like we did AJ Styles mm-hmm. which no matter what anybody wants to say whatever they have pushed AJ Styles to the moon. He has earned it, yeah. but they've pushed him to the moon. And everybody gets on the whole Nakamura thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, they, I've seen Nakamura get pushed pretty damn good, too. I mean, he, he may not be where I want him to be, yeah. where I think he deserves to be. Mm-hmm. But Nakamura evidently is happy because he is, he's, had a, he's got an opportunity to opt out of his contract, and he is told everybody he is happy with the WWE and he is a sign, he's signing for at least two more years. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so, and you know, what's crazy. You know, I was talking about age. I mean, we, we know Nakamura is older or whatever, Yes. but let, let's, let's yeah. put this in comparison in perspective. Look at Kota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Look at Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Nakamura is 38. Kota Ibushi mm-hmm. is 38. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, it is. So, I mean, you look at the perspective here, and we got a little off off touch, but I mean, I, I'm a, I love the match. Like I said, I'd give it a five star match. I loved the ending uh, tricep bash to the back of Abushi's yes. head, and then the finisher. That was that was kick ass. That was strong style. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I was looking for the whole damn match, but. um I think the injury to Hiromu has caused him to um, lighten up a little bit on the on the the junior heavyweight yeah. type fast paced matches as well. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, it, I I don't feel like for, for well, I'm speaking about this match in particular because I I, I can't mm-hmm. I haven't been keeping up proper like with all the in between New Japan stuff, but this yeah. match in particular, I feel like it was Will Osprey. That was kind of slowing down because, you know, for him to go all balls out and do some crazy shit, which he was more tamed in this match than anything. And then as we spoke about with um, what seemed to be the theme of this whole pay-per-view with um, certain individuals that, you know, all elite wrestling is popping up. And yep. it just seemed like the theme of the show is like, oh, well, since that's happening, I think is, you know, I'm tapering off to create opportunities maybe somewhere else. So Yeah, yeah. it was the Exodus show. That's exactly what yeah. this will be remembered as, just the Exodus. Because uh, Will Ospreay was toned the fuck down. I mean, he was still vicious in his like delivery of his moves and everything, but he was more tapered off than what he normally is. And Kota Ibushi was the same way. It, it yep. seemed like, I mean, I don't know. It was almost like he was doing, well, you're going to be here, Will. I'm not going to be here, so let me do the job. Yep. You know? Yep. 
I'm passing the torch. I'm done with this company. You're going to still be here. I don't know how long he's going to be there, though, all honesty. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you now, um, he's another one of those guys, I'm telling you straight up, Triple H gets a hard on when he watches it. The and, guy has got WWE written all over him. And Osprey would be a damn good addition to that UK brand. Yeah, definitely. And he's, dude, I'm telling you, I think that's something I hate to say, but I think Triple H is like in the ears of Omega and them saying, look, the old man ain't got much time left. He's doing this <laughs> XFL shit. Yeah. I'm running the show now. Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a lot more open range to have some kick-ass matches. We're about to be at war with all elite. We're going to let you guys have free range to do what you want. Come with us. Come to the dark side, Luke. I mean, and. Just, it, and, and, you know, and that's why I like doing the show because, I, you know, you bring up all these valuable points and everything. And um, I just like to pick other people's brain as well to see if we're on the same wavelengths or whatnot. This whole thing yeah. with WWE, you know, most recently talking about, you know, we're shaking things up. We're adding this new thing. You know, did you feel like this was a preemptive strike in lieu of the AEW stuff? Like they all right, we know this shit is coming, so we need to start ramping up and doing this and that and this and that so we can be prepared for when it drops. Yeah, I think, but man, they got dude, they're going to have to what they're going to need to do is make the main shows more like NXT. Yeah. And that and that's what Fox is really wanting them to do with SmackDown is focus on the damn wrestling. Mm-hmm. No one gives a rat's ass really about this this Jerry Springer ass bullshit they got going on in the ring. No one gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. This you, you motherfuckers killed kayfabe in the nineties. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> Let these guys go out there and kick some ass in the fucking ring. All right. I mean, and, and while I'm at it, while I bring up that point, Vince Russo, you can eat a fucking dick. Fuck you, you hipster New York little pussy. Uh. I don't know if you caught his comments on Twitter. No, but the motherfucker basically said, um, "If you set your alarm at two a.m. to get up to watch fake fights, you're a fucking mark." Oh man, fuck that dude, man. <laughs> yeah, fuck him because look, dude. Plain and simple, what I seen between Chris Jericho and Naito was not a fake fight. I seen two guys go out there and kick each other's ass, mm-hmm. and then at the very end, when they knew the time was up. Jericho did the job, yeah. but that was dude. Jericho got got fucked up. Like I follow him on on IG and Twitter. Yeah, dude, what? How the fuck are you going to call it a fake fight when this motherfucker's got a welt on his damn rib cage the size the size of my arm? I mean, dude, he got his ass beat. It was stiff, hardcore. Look, dude. Wrestling is predetermined. The winner yeah. is predetermined. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. We all know that. Uh, there's a difference between a worked punch and, and a strong style punch and a real fucking punch. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Yeah. There was nothing fake about Chris Jericho in Naito. Yeah. That was a fucking fight with a predetermined winner at the end. Yeah. Two guys went out there and kicked each other's asses and, you know, that's strong style. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't nothing fake about that. And I'm speaking for all the marks when I say, Vince Russo, you fucking bitch. This is why Jim Cornette tried to shoot your punk ass. Because you're a loudmouth <laughs> fucking New York hipster bitch. 
Well, damn. Keep running your fuck. You can keep running your fucking yap, sitting in your little fucking bodego apartment in New York, drinking your coffee and chain smoking in front of your fucking computer, and you're just butt hurt because you were never one of the guys. You were ne- you're just like fucking Kevin Dunn. You were a little fucking bitch who got bullied your whole fucking life. Then you got involved in wrestling and you got on a fucking tire trip and you tried to ruin the sport for everyone else. Fuck you. Fuck everything you stand for. And I hope your cock falls off, bitch. And the go to fuck home segment has been brought to you by Anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I just had to get that out, buddy. Hey, man, this, that's what this is for. I like that. <laughs> So we'll uh, move on from the Will Ospreay and uh, Kota Ibuti. Uh, Kota Ibuti. <laughs> you got me flustered, man. All that anger and shit. Kota Ibushi. He, he does have a nice booty, though, and the little tights, but that's par for the course. Um, oh, wow. But, hey, dude, I know straight guys that, to- that told me that they would go gay for him. That's fucked up. I didn't know yeah, what that to that up. Up. I, I say it jokingly, <laughs> but damn, for them to say all that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, you got some, hey, it's it's all right, man. All right. I wouldn't go that far, buddy, but okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, we move on to the three-way tag team match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, which featured yeah. Los Ingronables de Chapon and yes. Sho and Yo, which comprises yep. uh, Rupungi 3K and uh, Desperado... And kind of Kinamoru from Suzuki Gun. Yeah. And, uh, um, this yeah. was another one of the matches, man. It was a five star match, but the passion wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, um, and I don't, dude, I'm telling you now, people do not realize how good Kinamoru is. Kinamoru is, is damn good at his job. And the whole um, coming out there drinking whiskey shit, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the match was good. It was a five star match, but there was no passion. It was it, it was just like, all right, let's go get this paycheck, guys. Yeah, it was. Um, it was almost like it was just. Um, I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's kind of along the lines that with what you were saying, but it was like, all right, we already know the moves, we already know the spots. Let's go ahead and knock this out real quick and get on with our day. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know that title right there, dude. Those light heavyweight tag titles junior heavyweight tag titles, those were a major title in New Japan just a few years ago. Like, mm-hmm. that was a sought-after title. And it's like they don't know what to do with it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at my notes right now because, like, I got notes, little comments be- by every match. So, um, let's see. We're, we're, the one we just left off on, Osprey and Ibushi. Um, I said yeah. what I had to say about it, but I didn't have any notes about it. The only thing I could say about it, that shit was good. It could have been, yeah, you know, better, you know, if they showed a little more emotion and, you know, went a little further out into the deep like they usually do. But it was a good damn match for this. Yeah, there I, was no passion. Yeah. For this IWGP junior heavyweight triple threat, I put me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the match, but it was not, dude. Like I said, if you watch Wrestle Kingdom Nine, and everybody who's listening, go back and watch Wrestle Kingdom Nine. Watch that match with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks and and, um, Forever Hooligans, and and tell me who the other two guys was because I can't remember. But, um, dude, that match was amazing. That's dude. Red Dragon 
who don't get me wrong, I think they're the shit in NXT too. They were the shit. Mm-hmm. And young bucks, I mean, dude, the young bucks are the shit. I don't care what anybody says about them being spot monkeys or whatever, man. Them, yeah. Those guys are the shit. They put butts in seats and make the people stay in the seats. Yeah. You don't get up to get something to drink or some popcorn at a young bucks match. I mean, so it. Yeah, like I agree with you, man. Yeah. Um, one part that I did enjoy, uh, you talk about uh, Kinamuru. Um, his, one of his sticks is like kind of like the mist. He blows the whiskey into people's face. And, you know, yeah. and um, Bushi for um, Los Ingranopolis, he does the mist as well. Yeah. And one of the spots in there, I think they both came in. He had his mouth full of whiskey. He had the mist. <laughs> and uh, they both got super kicked and they spit it up in the air and fell out and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but. Um, Low single Bernardes, DJ Pond won a lot of gold at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. They won this match. Yes, they did. They won this match. They won the um, World Tag Team uh, Cup. And um, later on the night, they would win the freaking uh, heavyweight tag titles as well. Yep. So, I mean, yes, they, did. they got all the golds. <laughs> yep. So. Yes. So I so, mean, overall, yeah, except this, for the world title, yeah, they do. Yeah, so all all this was meh, you know. It was it yeah. was good. It was fun. It was entertaining, but yeah, it it is not living up to that that standard of what a Wrestle Kingdom should have been. Not even close. Yeah. So no, the, so the, I gotta agree. So the next match we have is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii, and it, it was for the British Heavyweight Championship over in Rev Pro, which they introduced yeah. a newly designed belt, which looks badass. Yes, it does. And uh, I want to say this was one of my favorite matches yeah. on the whole card. Uh, you, yeah, you really I'm a big Zack Sabre Jr. fan, yeah. for one. I'm also a big fan of, of the Stone Pitbull. So... Uh, I love this match. Uh, I would definitely have give, given it five stars, but Ishii had no passion. Okay, and that was all right. really weird. Okay, all right. I, I see. I see where you're going with this one. What I have here in my notes is uh, his half-hearted selling of his arm. Yeah, yeah. That that's what kind of took me out of it or whatever. Because like, and it, and it's also kind of hard too. Because when it's your dominant hand that you have to sell. It's kind of hard, you know, trying to not work with it and everything, which he, I think in the beginning when they really emphasized the injury on the arm, he was doing a good job of trying to, you know, uh, you know, show that it was hurt. But after a while, he's just like, fuck it, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, that's the thing. Um, there was no, it, dude, Ishii could have sold that perfectly. I'm, I'm sorry, Ishii is one of the top wrestlers in the world. Mm-hmm. The guy is in the top 20 in the world. And that's every promotion in the world. He's one of the top 20 ever. Dude, he did. It was a good match. It was a great match. You cannot have a bad match with Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-mm. That motherfucker could tie you in a knot 50 ways for fucking Sunday. Okay. And he can, he's a legit shooter. That motherfucker is the man. I mean, seriously, if there was a guy who could go into MMA and fuck some shit up, he could do it. The guy is a legit black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's a student of the catch style wrestling. He's a he's a legit shooter. He could break your fucking bones. And he's a bony little little motherfucker. But good gosh, man, his fluentness in his in the, in his approach with Ishii was 
was just gorgeous. He yeah. made this match because Ishii didn't have no passion. Yeah. Zack Saber Jr. is going to have passion regardless because he's a ref. He's the man in ref pro. Yeah. Now, see, that that's kind of what I was thinking when I was looking at this match and just seeing how it progressed from beginning to end or whatever. Um, what I noticed about Zack Saber Jr. He he has a distinct style, but I felt like he, he switched his style up. Uh, you know, he, he kicked it up a notch for this match. And um, yeah, automatically thinking it was for the um, Rev Pro heavyweight title, the British heavyweight title. Yeah. I automatically in my mind knew, felt like Zack Zabel Jr. was going to win. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is um, I could see them having a rematch for that in Rev Pro. Yeah. And I guarantee you it's better than this match. Mm-hmm. I really think a lot of the guys in the company, other than the ones that were leaving, I think a lot of them wanted to get that attitude. Like, all right, motherfucker, you want to run this company like it's Fortune 500 business. We're going to just show you what we do for a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the match was good. And I, I just it, it was it, it was Zack Zaber Jr. Heavy. I mean, he showcased a little more grit, a little more skill, you know, more than normal than any of his other matches that I've seen in recent. Like he whipped out a couple of new moves, which every move that I see this dude do is new to me anyway, because <laughs> he do some crazy shit. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And um, Ishii, I mean. He he was there to give his power spots whenever he needed to. Yeah, but he was there for a paycheck. You could tell he had no. I I really think this was almost like a um an unwritten revolt to management. I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, because I mean I've seen like especially for and let's talk about the age difference here. Zach Zaber Jr. is twenty five years old. Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii is 43 years old. And yep. even even um whatever we say this is a lackluster match or um Ishii didn't put as much into it. Dude is 43 years old, but at the same time, we seen him run circles around some of these lower 30 and 20 something year olds consistently. Yeah. You know. Just I mean, think about it. This man he he pinned Kenny Omega last year in what a lot of people considered the match of the year. That was and then match. he had a five-star a five star match with Kenny for the title. Mm-hmm. Shit. The, so, I mean, the match that they had for um, in the, the finals of the, um, the U.S. title tournament that they had in Long Beach or wherever it was, that was a damn good match. And I feel like Ishii could have won it, but Kenny Omega was the winner. He was being the first inaugural United States champion for New Japan. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is when this was not unintentional by Ishii. I'm sorry, dude. I've been watching Ishii wrestle for years. This was not unintentional. This was intentionally him saying, all right, I'm just going to get this paycheck real quick. quick." But this was not a wrestle kingdom caliber match. You want to see a Wrestle Kingdom caliber match out of Ishii. You watch Wrestle Kingdom 9 where he gave his heart out and took so many strong spots mm-hmm. that he puked when he was done. Yeah. Against Toga Makabe. When Makabe dropped the the, the, um, the calm knee on him on the back of his neck and when he pinned him, Ishii literally rolled out of that damn ring and puked his guts up because he got hit so many times and so hard. That's strong style. That's passion. That's going out there and saying, all right, motherfucker, we're going to fight. 
And we know who's going to win at the end, but I'm about to kick your ass and you can kick my ass too, but we're about to go out here and give a fucking show. We're going we're gonna to give all our passion out here and we're going to do some heavy fucking hits. That strong style. What I seen last night was, I hate using this term, but sports entertainment. <laughs> and then um, you can even see a whole hell of a lot of difference between that match that we just spoke about and um, when he got in the ring with Minoru Suzuki this uh, morning or whatever for New Year's Dash. You can yeah. clearly see a difference in his performance. Well, I mean, the thing is, is you can't go in there half-assed with Minoru Suzuki. He is a goal yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. That's, that's, just to be real, there's no difference between going in a match with Minoru Suzuki and Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. You better bring it because if you don't, he's going to fuck your world up. And I, and, and what I, what even uh, make me like Minoru Suzuki even more, I, I just recently started following him on Instagram. This dude loves socks. Yeah. He loves socks. <laughs> yeah. He's a character. And I mean, anybody who follows me on Facebook or anything, you will know that I constantly posted Minoru Suzuki as my my hero. So, yeah, he is pretty fucking awesome. Um, I would honestly say he's probably one of the most dangerous men walking the planet right now. Alive. That that dude is an animal. Another older gentleman. That dude is 50 years old. Yeah, I mean, the dude, he was... A, a king of pancreas. He tapped out Ken Shamrock twice when Ken Shamrock was actually something. I mean, don't don't get it twisted. Yeah. This guy is the great grandfather of MMA. Yep, and he still moves like he's thirty something. Yes, he does. Dog, I forgot who he was fighting. Man, it was it was a while back though. I, I was watching um New Japan, and he drop kicked the shit out of somebody, and it looked so fucking beautiful too. But I knew it had to hurt because they showed it in slow motion and that dude is like he got hit in the cheek and his cheek flattened out and it wrapped around the boot of this man's foot <laughs> and his head you're talking, you're talking about the Toga Makabe when he got the double drop kick oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah. to his feet yeah. yeah that shit was beautiful and brutal at the same time I was like ah ooh ah ooh <laughs> I tell you what because I know you've probably never seen it but you should really look up on New Japan World AJ Styles versus Minoru Suzuki for the world for the IWGP World Title. I will look it up because I, I never even thought about that combination. <laughs> it was dude, you talk about a five star match. That match was seven stars. Sweet. All right, let's yes. roll, let's roll into the next match. We have the yep. uh, IWGP Heavyweight. Tag Team Championships defended in a triple threat match as well. See, and this is what I was talking about. We This is kind of the theme of the pay-per-view. There's like everybody was just kind of uh, doing this, doing this. They had the, they didn't include the um, Battle Royal in the pre-show. They did this um, gauntlet tournament for, for number one contendership for the freaking triple threat belt tag team, whatever belts, whatever shits, no, never elemental P belts and all the tag team matches were triple threats. It was just like, all right, let's just squeeze everybody in this motherfucker and get this shit done. You know? Yeah. And we all knew the young bucks wasn't going to win. Exactly. Let's just be honest. So, um, this match featured Los Ingronables de Japan (laughs) featuring, uh, Sonata and evil, uh, the gorillas of destiny, Tamatonga and Tonga Loa, which they came in with some fly ass gear. Yeah, yeah. 
like fucking Iron Man helmets and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, GLD. Mm-hmm. Big big fan. Um, I'm but not, this match was I'm lackluster. Not, I, I'm not so much in on Tungaloa as much, but I love Tamatonga. <laughs> All right, well, look, let's let's get to a point here that I want to make. This is another one of those things, the whole, I'm a good guy, Tama Tonga, that is a rebellion to Harold Me as well. Mm-hmm. And that's because they was really putting the emphasis on his Twitter shit that he was putting mm-hmm. and the language they were using. They're really like, like I, I'm wanting to say, it was Wrestle Kingdom 10, I believe. I believe it was. It was ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. But Kongaloa, they they had a um a eight man um tag tag match and Tongaloa cussed like a two live crew CD. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, whole, yeah. But it was fucking hilarious. He's like, Fuck you, motherfucker. I mean it it, it made the show, the passion. Yeah. The passion in Tongaloa made. Yeah, and, and, it, and I remember that because it was like soon as they came through the curtain on the entry ramp, he cussed from the entry ramp all the way to the fucking ring. <laughs> yeah, and then he cussed in the ring. He's like, fuck you! I mean, it, that's what I was wanting to see. And they put this emphasis on them where they're like, no more profanity. Uh, you can't cuss in our federation no more. No more cussing in our company. Bitch, if we wanted sports entertainment, we'd watch WWE. Mm-hmm. Fuck you! Look at me cuss! Yeah. Who cares? But, I mean, it, that's what they're doing now. He's like, oh, I'm a good guy. Oh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. He's kind of clattered, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, motherfuckers, y'all don't want me cussing no more. I'm going to show you what a good guy is. Yeah. And then um, you can kind of tell, like, uh, we get further on into the Jericho match or whatever. He cursed, like, every goddamn five seconds. But then again, he's not going to be there any much longer, or if he ever come back. <laughs> so, yeah, he really does not care. Uh, and plus, he's Chris Jericho. What the fuck are you going to do to Chris Jericho? Yeah, <laughs> he's another, doing you a favor. Yeah. He saved your pay per view. If you want to know the truth, yeah. <laughs> and then another thing about uh, Tungaloa or whatever is just like I remember um, just going back and watching some of the matches or <laughs> whatever. It's just like every time he would get like hit real hard, like drop kicked, or you know, he take a bump, he'd be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm wanting to see. I mean. Come on, dude. Gorillas of Destiny, they've made their matches off of being like kick-ass, hardcore, fuck you, kiss my ass, mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, in this motherfucker type shit. Mm-hmm. And you've just taken all the fire out of one of the best tag teams on the planet. Yeah. Come on, dude. It, it's, uh, you might as well have had it out there yelling, nerds, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> and, um... Back to Tamatonga or whatever. It's just like I dig his swag, man. I really yeah. do. It's just like the way he come strut down to the ring or whatever to the music, which the music is bomb mm-hmm. as fuck. I need to damn download that shit. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, I I even when I watched New Year's Dash earlier today, he he was come, he came down the ring in his Iron Man gear, swaying to the beat and everything. I was like, I like that dude a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I'm a. I'm really big on him and I love his wrestling style. He's got a counter wrestling style. Like yes. you don't really ever see him set up for a specific move. Mm-hmm. He counters he everybody else's move with offense. That's dude. It's a, it's a really killer style. And I don't think a lot of people can pick up on what he does. Yeah. And see, Next, even, even when he does the gun stun, he doesn't set up for the gun stun. Yeah. It's a count. 
Yeah, and see, and that, that was a thing too. That was another point because um, the only other person that I've seen to do that was Carl Anderson, and they yeah. and they was like real tight with each other, or whatever. Hence, one of the reasons why he does the stun gun now, and why they do the world. I think they were or they are doing the magic killer, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, and that's that's the whole thing is is you know you see Carl, dude, Carl Anderson. Is, I know he reached the shit I put on his Instagram because I, I try to start a whole little emphasis on give Carl Anderson a singles push. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the dude deserves one. I mean, he's a workhorse. And I'm not taking nothing away from, you know, his tag team abilities at all because he's one of the top guys in the world mm-hmm. in the tag team ranks. But, gosh, man, who me as a fan – I would love to see Carl Anderson win the Intercontinental title. Yeah, um, what kind of put me on to him is like when I first discovered New Japan, like I said, I, I was going down a rabbit hole of Nakamura at the time, but I found a yeah. match with um, him and Carl Anderson to where Carl Anderson beat him, Nakamura, yeah. and it was a fucking damn good match, man. It was just like counter hold at the counter hold or whatever. And then he had a little more weight on him too at the time, so it was like to see a guy with that much Wait on him and move so fluently. It was fucking awesome to me. Yeah, yeah. He people don't anybody who's ever just seen Carl Anderson in the WWE. You have no idea what you're missing. Mm-hmm. Seriously, the guy is he's he's a phenomenon in that ring. Uh, but he's original Bullet Club. I mean, mm-hmm. just the. And what what kills me about him would make me chuckle every time he he um do this thing where he, like you get somebody in the corner you would run and do the um like the high kick to the chest or whatever and every, mm-hmm. and every time you do it you go hiya yeah yeah I mean dude gosh man I just dude I I'm sorry man as a fan Wrestle Kingdom let me down dude mm-hmm. I hate saying it like that but it did it let me down but um back to this uh. Junior heavy, I mean not junior, the heavyweight uh, tag team triple heavyweight threat. Um, Los Ingranables de Japan, they won. Sonata and Evil won that match. Yeah, and um, and then the Bucks just I hit their no normal spots. Yeah, I didn't either. The Bucks just hit their spots. You know, yeah. it, like they didn't go full throttle like they normally do, but for a good reason. Yeah, they they're like fuck it. I mean. And, I, you know, this is another thing that pissed me off about New Year's Dash, which I know we haven't even gotten into that. But, mm-hmm. dude, these guys have given your, their heart and soul to that that company for years. Mm-hmm. They didn't even get a damn send-off. True. That well, is true. But, and that's because of Harold Me, Just being honest, dude, uh, AJ Styles got a send-off. Nakamura got a send-off. The Young Bucks, Omega, don't get a fucking send-off? Get the fuck out of here, man. All right, next on the docket is the IWGP United States Championship match featuring Juice Robinson and Cody Rhodes. Or Cody, because you can't say Rhodes. (laughs) All right. um, First first off, off, fuck your bitch in the click you claim West Side with me (laughs) rocking. All right, um, we all know Cody has a meniscus tear. Mm-hmm. That's why this match sucked. And what was weird uh, about that was weird about that as well is they even brought that point up on the commentary, which I don't think they should have done. 
No, I don't think they should have neither. Uh, I'm not really big on Juice Robinson. Um, he's just like a, a flaming homosexual version of uh, um, uh, what's his name in the WWE? Uh, mm. <laughs> IRS's son. Uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Bo Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, he's a flaming homosexual version of Bo Dallas. Let's just be real. Uh, I just, I'm not with it, dude. I, I don't see what everybody else sees in this guy. I, it's just not there. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. He's not a bad wrestler, but I'm not a fan. Well, I mean, uh, I don't terribly dislike him, but I like this Juice Robinson compared to C.J. Parker. Who even remembers that? Okay, let's. I do. I just brought it up. <laughs> You're gonna have everybody googling CJ Parker. Yeah. Well, news, um, news flash. Juice Robinson picture gonna pop up, so it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. NXT original NXT. Yeah. Um, I don't see it. I, I, I understand him and Cody are actually friends mm-hmm. outside of kayfabe. And Cody didn't have no problem doing the job for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody's leaving anyway. Cody's on the bigger and better fucking things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really big on Cody. I love Cody. Everything about him as a wrestler, the way he carries himself. Uh, this was the worst match of the night. Yeah. yeah well, we'll just say it was limited, you know, given the fact that the meniscus tear and then hell, I mean, we can just even couple of that into like, you know, the theme of the show that we've been speaking about It's like, people were just there to like do the thing because they were either contractually obligated to do it and get it done. Yeah, pretty much. And that's what we've seen. And, uh, I don't know, man, I know. Uh, I'm telling you now, you're going to see a lot of these guys in all elite wrestling very soon. Yeah. What what I did like about this match, I mean, they had a lot of passion spots in there too. Like when it was both trading um, the jabs and everything, I thought that was really good. Um, and um, even the closing moments of the match when um, they put emphasis on like, hey, Juice is winning this motherfucking match. He did two of them pretty years. He gave them two of the freaking, uh, what they call it? The left hand of gods or whatever. And yeah. you know, they, they, they really stuck it that he was going to win this or whatever. And then the thing about it is he is good in Japan. And what I mean by good in Japan is just like the people there love him. So, I mean, I'm not terribly against, you know, how they push him. Whatever, putting a title on him or nothing like that because I mean, honestly, if you compare his run in WWE compared to you know everything that he did in New Japan and with New Japan, like going through the Young Lion program and working his way up through the ranks and um just giving a good performance, and I think in last year's G One, not this current one that just passed, but the one before that, um, cutting some good promos and whatnot, I think he deserves what he got. Well, um. So basically what we're saying is, is he's the modern day Johnny Ace. He's the modern day John Laronitis. Everybody loves him in Japan and no one's ever going to fucking know him in the United States. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, you know you, I mean, I, I, dude, if they ever give him the IWGP heavyweight title, I will stop watching New Japan. Mm, Just I saying. I don't think they'll he, go that I, far. <laughs> 
No, nah, it's a, it's just not there, dude. Uh, I can see, I can see at, at most, tonight, at most, I can see him going to the Intercontinental title. I don't think anything I beyond don't that. that. I don't think he deserves that. I mean, we're going to have him go over Naito? Nah. No, I ain't talking about no time soon. I'm talking about later if he stick around that long. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. It's, it's just not there for me. Right. I don't think he's that good. He's a sports entertainer, and that wasn't even entertaining what I seen last night. I, all honestly, I would have been more happy if it was a, if it was a squash match or a roll up match. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I will bring to the table is just like some of his matches that he did in um, either G one tournament, the one from this current, and the one from the year prior that he was in. I believe he had better matches in there than this match. So, I mean, yeah, this this was a like, I mean, he's got his opponent had a meniscus tear. Yes, yeah, come true. on. I mean, yeah. he can't hit no high spots. Um, I, I did like, so, I did like the trading of the finishing moves, though. They both did each other finishing moves, yeah. But I don't know, this was just not what I was expecting. I mean, it was because I knew he had a meniscus tear and I knew he was going to be out of action for a while, mm-hmm. but then again, it wasn't. Okay, so um, what I noticed, the theme of the show as far as commentary goes, all right, the match before we had the Young Bucks in the triple threat for the um, heavyweight tag titles, and here we are having Cody Rhodes in the match to follow. They both touted AEW within both of the matches because yeah. it you know pertained to the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, just hearing those things and how they kind of played it up, is to where I think New Japan is going to have some type of working relationship with AEW, you know, when they start rolling and getting on the ground. I mean, that's that's beyond a shadow of a doubt. They'll have to because Mm -hmm. they'll be, I mean, they'll need that in the United States. Mm -hmm. But I don't, it may be a talent swap, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's not going to last. I mean, this is what I've seen, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen the titles put on guys that they knew wasn't going to leave anytime soon. Yeah. And I think they did that because they know when a lot of people's contracts are up, they're going to AEW. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And that's then, what I think. And then, like, all right, just to get off track or whatever, who do you see? from New Japan going to AEW. Obviously, we got, you know, Cody the books, uh, maybe Kenny, um, maybe Abushi, but who else on that New Japan roster you see floating over to AEW? Well, see, all right. I don't see Naito going, no, leaving New Japan. I He's don't. not going to leave. I think he wants to stay in Japan. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonata and Evil, they're definitely going to stay in Japan. Correct. Uh, from what I heard, Kushida's been acting actually offers some big money from the WWE. Mm-hmm. And then I, I feel so I feel like Kushida, because we, we're going to talk about that match coming up here pretty soon. I feel Kushida is a company man because, I mean, they base a lot of they, you know, outer ventures, you know, like the behind the scenes stuff. They base a lot of that stuff around Kushida because like when they launched the Fire Pro uh, game and everything, and I think they made like a, some kind of title thing or whatever he was the spokesperson there he was there at the ceremony for that and then just a whole bunch of other stuff um that they do like offshoot like um a lot of the behind the scenes footage they show on new japan world kushida is like at the forefront of that yeah but from what i'm hearing man he's not too happy 
Yeah, true. I mean, because I mean, he's like I say, he, I feel like he's a lifer. I mean, he's done a lot in that company, multiple time, uh, freaking best of super juniors winner, uh, junior heavyweight winner, goddamn tag title winner. Uh, I believe he won a G one before or something like that. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't. I'm not well versed as you. Uh, so he's done a lot in that company, and I feel like um, I think around the time I first started watching and getting to know Kushida or whatever, there was offers for him to go to WWE way back when. I think maybe around or before the time of the um, first Cruiserweight Classic, and uh, he yeah. turned it down because he said he had unfinished business in New Japan, which could have been anything from trying to fly for that. Uh, IWGP heavyweight championship or something like that but those opportunities are slim now so yeah he's also getting older true uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs with AEW honestly yeah because she does I don't uh, think 35 I don't think he's happy Tomohiro Ishii I guarantee you Tomohiro Ishii will eventually be in AEW yeah because he does I don't a think lot he's happy. yeah because he does a lot of stuff with Rev Pro and uh, you know a couple other companies I don't think he's happy hmm. I just, I, I've been watching him too long, dog, and I seen it when I watched it. He I was, seen he it, dog. Happy. I seen it, man. <laughs> he wasn't happy. Yeah. It, it just wasn't there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That, that it all remains to be seen. They have a press conference here, January eighth, to talk more about um, the AEW promotion and just whatever they got coming up. But. Yeah. Let's roll into the next match, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, Taiji Ishimori versus Kushida for the IWGP yeah. Junior Heavyweight Championship. What do yeah, you think about that good. match? Yeah. That damn. It wasn't five stars, but it was good. That that right hand by Kushida, man. That's that's what got me hooked on him, or whatever. Because <laughs> the very first match that I noticed Kushida in was um the match with him and Kenny Omega. And I always tout this match between those two whenever Kushida come up. It's just like that was the first time I ever saw him use the right hand and Kenny sold the fuck out of it. And then, you know, it, and then, you know, he always uh, set up for the hoverboard lock by working on the arm. And Kenny Omega mm-hmm. sold the arm very well in that match. He even had to set up his finisher, the one when Angel with one arm trying to set all that shit up. And he sold it real well. So, I mean, he's Kenny Omega. Yeah. So, I mean, we expect that. But, um, uh, it, it like kind of, I said, it, yeah. it just that they're all honesty. I think Kushida looked better against Osprey in New Year's Dash than he did in that match. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, there's, there's something, dude, there was just a whole theme of the night where these guys was just out there to get a paycheck. Yeah, because I mean, uh, it, every, every title changed it, hands. <laughs> it was, um, it was an average good match. It wasn't a bad match. Mm-hmm. It was better than anything WWE's put out lately. Mm-hmm. Well, unless you watch 205 Live. Yeah. I mean, there was, there's been some matches on 205 Live that was better than that. Yeah. Uh, the, the main emphasis I want to I wanna get to on this is there was no strong style. <laughs> this, is, this is Wrestle Kingdom 13. And there was no strong style. Where was the strong style at? Um, a little bit with Omega and Tanahashi. <laughs> nope, I didn't see it there. The only thing I see, I seen in Naito and Jericho. Okay, well, we, Tana, we, Tanahashi and o- Omega. 
I hate saying this, Kenny. I love you. Taniyashi, I love you. Like you're really listening to this. You never know. They might. <laughs> that was sports entertainment. I don't know. I, but we'll, we'll talk more on that when we get to that one. Um, out of these two, okay. um, you know, just looking at the match as a whole, I guess I wanted Ishimori to win. Yeah, but, I, you know, the thing is, I heard is a lot of, there was a lot of, res- they think that there's a lot of resentment towards the fans against him because of what happened with Hiroma. Yeah. And they were, they were reluctant to put the title on him at first. But, I mean, yeah, he he deserves the title. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, H- Hiromu, uh, I mean, Hiromu didn't get hurt, like, majorly until he fought freaking um, Dragon Lee because he got dumped on his neck. <laughs> Taking that damn stupid-ass pinning combination move that he was trying to do. I, actually, it was, it was, it was a different match. What? So which one? Yeah, because I because I the one that I saw where he got hurt wrestling Ishimori. He did. You sure? Yes. You sure? Yes. Yes. You positive? Be wrong. Yes, he got hurt wrestling Ishimori. Okay, because I because I don't know because what what match did I watch then? Because I know he fought Dragon Lee and Dragon Lee he oh did, did he get hurt? He did get hurt. He re- he did get hurt wrestling Dragon Lee too. Oh, so he got hurt twice. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. We'll we'll we, we'll be good then. <laughs> all right. That, that was the only one I saw because I heard that the um, one that Ishimori and um, uh, Hiromu they had that match was really good. I never got to watch it. Yeah, it was. But um, it was great. The one that I saw most recently after that was like when Dragon Lee dropped him on his fucking head, botching his fucking yeah. pin spot. That's the one I saw. So yeah, that that's the one where they put him out of action was against Dragon Lee, but he got hurt in the Ishimori match too. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, um, I like Ishimori. I like his style. You just like he real aggressive. I I like his style too. I think he's a a great wrestler. I want to see him and Shingo wrestle. Yeah. For that title. yeah. Um we kind of glossed over that in uh, the triple threat match for the heavyweight tag titles. Um I wanted to get your opinion on Shingo. What, what obviously you just said you like him, but what you think about him? Dude, I've been watching Shingo for years. Shingo is shit. <laughs> I mean, dude, dude, y'all haven't even seen half of what Shingo can do yet. Okay? Shingo is that fucking man. What? So just be prepared. They they release the reins on Shingo. Because Shingo's one of them guys, he's not going to leave Japan. He's from Japan, he's going to stay in Japan. Because mm-hmm. I think previously least, he was at uh, either Dragon Gate or Noah, one of the two? Well, he, he was uh, he was a standout at Dragon Gate. Okay. Uh, let Shingo and Ishimura wrestle, wrestle for that title and see what happens. Let them have free range. Because I've seen a lot of restriction. That's another thing I noticed. I've seen a lot of restriction at Wrestle Kingdom. It was like watching WWE. Yeah. The only only match that went kind of balls out was damn uh, Tanahashi and Kenny Omega to an extent. But um, mostly extent. Uh, Jericho and uh, Naito. Yeah. Now, that was a five-star match. Jericho and Naito was a five-star match. Yeah. Well, that was strong style. All right. So, uh, Ishimori won. Ishimori, I, I can probably say that fucking wrong. But uh, he won the match. He got the belt. And um, Bullet Club retained a little bit of gold. Yeah. So um, next we got Jay White versus Kazushka Okada. No title online, just a singles match. 
First, be, first, first, before you unleash the beast, you let all your hate out. Hate, hate, hate. Jay White. That was some mm-hmm. fly ass gear. I gotta give it to him. That shit was yeah. that shit was oh, fly yeah. as fuck. <laughs> yeah. He he was he was stepping like the Pope. I mm. mean, yeah, I gotta give him that. <laughs> that was some cool ass uh, shit. Yeah. Um there was nothing wrong with this match. Okay, good. Nothing. Because I, I liked it. I liked it. It was a good match, but it was sports entertainment. I don't watch Wrestle Kingdom for sports entertainment. Now, I, I look at this match different than you know any of the um, stuff that we talked about any other this match because to me this is a telling a telling of a story that I, we've been watching unfold since um okada lost the belt and yeah and i give a, you that yeah it's more of a you know defining you know jay white and is also um i, I kind of see it as almost a reinvention of okada which in my opinion because you know how i feel about okada they, he needs so he lost the title and we just from the time he lost the title up until now, we've seen a totally different Okada. He'd been wearing pants. He had red hair. Damn fucking coming to the ring with balloons and doing all this other stuff and been losing more matches than he's been winning matches, which it was something that, you know, if you've been watching New Japan, you know, that's something that you're not used to seeing Okada lose. So between that time that he had the belt, Jay White was just doing all this stuff behind the scenes within chaos and ultimately going over to the Bullet Club side of things, kind of. I say pseudo. I don't think he really the leader of fucking Bullet Club because some shit is about to happen and it's all been played out you know, through this match and even a little bit of um through New Year's Dash and everything. And I, I find it very interesting. And, you know, out of any match that I've seen Throughout this whole Wrestle Kingdom 13 card, this was the one that I was paying attention to as far as how these characters are going to progress moving forward. I can, all right. This was definitely a storyline match. Yeah. And there was nothing wrong with the match. And I mm-hmm. think Jay White's a great wrestler. I, yeah. I, I'm more higher on Okada than you are, actually. I know you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It just, uh, it wasn't there for me. I, mm-hmm. Okada's definitely going to stay in New Japan. Yeah. That's his home. He's not leaving. Mm-hmm. But he didn't look too happy neither. Yeah. I mean, th- this is the company that made it, man, pretty much. I mean, he he started there. He went to TNA and did whatever the fuck he did. Me and the Pope talked about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, dude. I love that. I love that damn podcast. Uh, that was great. Dog, and, and you know, like, it didn't hit me until he said what he said. It's just like Okada, you know, he's like took, you know, elements of the Pope character and made it his own. It then like as soon as those words came out of his mouth, I'm looking at it in my head and I was like, oh, shit, Pope did come to the ring and he did put his arms out and the money did come from the ceiling. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that is the rainmaker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And dude, uh, he he touched on it, and that's real. But you can tell he has no harsh feelings yeah. towards Okada about it. But mm-hmm. he's like, "Motherfucker, you stole my shit." <laughs> 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 and I mean, um, the Pope's the man. I mean, seriously, yeah. I love the Pope. Uh, I told you I was actually um, in the center row when 
D'Angelo, De Niro, the Pope, Elijah Burke, whatever you want to call him, won the world title in OVW from Matt Morgan. I seen that match live and it was it was great. I clapped and cheered like a fucking mark when he won the world title. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so like, I loved that damn interview. Just <laughs> it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he finds all the world history chicken at Walmart he possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hope you do too. <laughs> yeah. But um I'm just interested to see the progression of these characters moving forward. It just like to me the overall arc for Okada is is like he's trying to find his way again. You know, he's been on top for so long, you know, setting all these milestones whether it was um longest reigning IWGP heavyweight champion ever, a most defended uh title um defenses what the defended title defenses <laughs> most title defenses of the IWGP heavyweight champion ever and um i think yeah. it was a couple of other stats in there that you want to throw on top of that but he was the man for new japan and for him not yeah. to be that anymore you know and it it shows from you know in his character from then until now that's like he's lost his way he's still trying to figure things out then to have ghetto turn on him um, that added another layer to that character too is like he has nobody really backing him in his corner or whatnot and he's just trying to figure everything out as for Jay White since he came onto the scene he's always been trying to manipulate people and wiggle his way into better positions and whatnot. you know we seen him um, get off a of bullet club in the beginning turn it down and kind of you know hey I'm my own thing and then Shortly after that, he wiggled his way into chaos and, you know, hey, you know, I guess you do need some people to have your back or whatever, but I'm going to shape chaos into my image. And then he manipulated people inside of chaos, like um, when he was doing a lot of the um, the six man tags, he would always try to get um, show and yo to turn or he would um, do other things like he had a stand and beef with Yoshihashi for a little bit. And, you know, yeah. he would always try to manipulate things to his advantage. And it's just been showing through all the way up until now. And it, it's pretty damn cool. It, it is. And I like it. But I'm not going to like it if he wins the world title. I just. I, That's what it seems like. That? That's what it seems like they're setting up for. And, you know, I don't really agree with it. But, I mean, they no. never designated him as a junior heavyweight either. So, I mean, it's only upward from there, you know? I mean, the, the, I mean, if you watch New Year's Dash, they're pushing him and Tanahashi for the title. Yeah. Uh, dude, come on, man. See, I just, I don't see it, dude. I just. And that was like I another, that was another story component at uh, New Year's Dash as well. They had a six-man tag and his opponents were three people that he beat individually already. Yeah. He's got, but I mean, at the same time, if you remember his debut match at Wrestle Kingdom, Tanahashi pinned his ass. So yeah. we got that too. So yeah, he can be pinned and he can be beat. Mm-hmm. And if the, it, and I think they're going to push that is, you know, Tanahashi, yeah, you beat me, but I beat you too. Yeah. And so, then like at the time when Jay White did beat Tanahashi or whatever, it was like, I think his win was more impactful than his loss, you know, when they first met. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I just don't. I like Jay White. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great 
wrestler. I, I like his character. I like his image. I'm just not this storyline that they're pushing right now is not New Japan. It, it's mm-hmm. WWE. I just, uh, I don't know. And, you know, the thing is that I'm envisioning what they're probably going to do is Okada is really linking up with Tanahashi now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's going to be a big double cross between Tanahashi and Okada. And I think it's going to set up possibly Okada and Tanahashi at next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because I, th- I I think they had I think they had promise for Abushi being pushed to the forefront of stardom. Yeah, but and we don't know Ibushi what that's like it. now. Yeah, yeah. So and and for some reason they're not giving Naito that push for the world title yet. But I mean I would much rather see Naito versus Tanahashi for the world title than Jay White versus. This is not New Japan, dog. I mean, just I, I can't <laughs> stress that enough. What I seen last night was not New Japan. It was WWE-ish. Yeah. Well, to speak of uh, Tensuya Naito, um, next yeah. is the uh, no disqualification match for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Tensuya Naito versus Chris Jericho. Yeah. Now, this was your and match of that- the night, correct? <laughs> This was my favorite match. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was this was a New Japan match. Mm-hmm. This was strong style. This was kick ass. Um how about that damn DDT on the table, Jericho yes. and Naito? Yes. Um and that, for Don Callis and them to sell it after the fact, it was like right here next to us, there is a head size hole in the middle of the table <laughs> to where Jericho I don't think that was a sell. I think it, there really was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he, he hit that, that shit was not protected. Like Naito drove his head into that damn table, and I yeah, and uh, I I kind of feel like the only reason it panned out that way because he thought the table was going to break. Possibly, or possibly he was just like, "Fuck it, I'm in a fight. Let's do this." <laughs> uh, that, that was a strong style match. That was a New Japan match. Mm-hmm. That was the best match of the night. That was Wrestle Kingdom to me. And it's amazing that Chris Jericho had to bring out the New Japan in the Wrestle Kingdom. See, and, and that was the thing about it, too. This is the point that I wanted to make about this match. I don't even know if I put it in my notes. Let me see. Uh, I put no DQ Jericho in my notes for that match. It's because, like, he's gone on record as even saying it. They're like the caliber of athlete that he's been facing at these New Japan shows or whatever that he really can't keep up with or keep up or put together a match that you know he feel that would uh warrant just being a normal match so he always yeah. opt with the dq matches to kind of like mask that or whatever so i mean anytime Jer- I'm, I'm this is just my theme it's just like anytime i see jericho in a match he gonna have a no dq match because he want to get away with shit he just want to be violent and do whatever it is because new japan jericho is a violent jericho <laughs> and i like it mm-hmm. i like it a lot and I think um, the spirit of, of New Japan lived inside Jericho mm-hmm. and Naito. Yeah. Uh, that, that was New Japan to me. That, that, that saved the pay-per-view to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, not saying it was a bad pay-per-view. I'm yeah. not saying it was bad. But if you've seen the other Wrestle Kingdoms like I have, you would know why this was shit. Now, see... Another point that I wanted to bring up to you as well. I've jumped on the New Japan train at Wrestle Kingdom 9. 
And to me, yeah. that was just like, that's the pinnacle for me from Wrestle Kingdom 9 all the way up to Wrestle Kingdom 13. That, that's always been the best one to me because it was the first one I saw and it was just fucking awesome. Nakamura had girls on poles and had fireworks and everything. <laughs> it was fucking great. And, but, and the match between him and Ibushi was a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. And from and, your point, from what I've seen from Wrestle Kingdom 9 all the way up to 13 has been a decline. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, except for, I mean, I thought Nakamura and uh, AJ Styles was one of the greatest matches I've ever witnessed. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just my opinion. I think the whole flow of the match, the whole tempo, everything they had, I thought it was a perfect match in exquisite storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, Exquisite. I actually have a, I got got a commemorative shirt of that match, okay, of just that match. Mm-hmm. Okay, of the ending portion in comic book form where um where Nakamura put his fist out to AJ for the pound. Mm-hmm. I had I have a comic book form version of that of that on a t shirt. Yeah. That's how much I love that match. But um back to the Jericho Naito match. Uh I mean yeah. it was what it was. I, I I felt that it everything built to this because you know Jericho is there to do you know Jericho things or whatever. I didn't yeah. think I didn't foresee him carrying the title out of Wrestle Kingdom. I don't think anybody did, but I didn't think he would get the motherfucker either, too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, but to me, seriously, this was the best match of the night. Mm-hmm. Now I'll, I'll go on record of saying that in. Kenny Omega, I love you, dog, but you were not the best bout machine at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's roll into our final match of the card, which is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, where we've seen Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. Great match. Um, definitely give it a five star, mm-hmm. but the passion, the passion wasn't there from Kenny, and we all knew Kenny was losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to believe that. I but, don't think anybody did, but we all knew it. Yeah, and, I did, I did, uh, yeah, I didn't want to believe that. To, but but in light of everything that's been going on, you know, even just looking at being the elite and just um, the announcement of AEW, you know, I kind of had it in the back of my mind that he could possibly lose this. <laughs> well, um, shout out to Tanahashi for taking taking that bump. At the through the damn table outside the ring, that yeah. was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, shouts out to Kenny Omega for faking taking the bump. If you noticed, he acted like he was bracing for the bump. Yeah. <laughs> he broke off the damn table. That was classic. Yeah. <laughs> that was um only a mark would pick up on that. But every yeah. if you seen Kenny Omega, he clearly braced braced for for the the. The splash, yeah, but then he and moved. Then, then, yeah, rolled off the table. See, <laughs> and, that, and that, that's another thing is, um, you can even apply this to the Bucks because um, they received a lot of criticism for just being spot monkeys and not telling the story in the ring. You've seen an upward progression with the Young Bucks as far as their in ring storytelling. Matt Jackson back has been hurt for decades now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but but that's part of the um, the gimmick. 
Um, Kenny Omega has also done the same thing, in my opinion, to where he does little things just like what you were saying. You know, if you are into wrestling, you know about, you know, even if you've done a little bit of wrestling, you know how to take some of these moves or how some of these competitors are going to take the moves. And just yeah. from what you were saying, he alluded to like he was about to take the bump to where he braced up to um, absorb the impact and everything and cushion the blow. But then at the last yep. second, he rolled off the table. And then, yeah, uh, that, then, that was great. And then also at the same time, you know, he last minute reverse that high fly flow to where he put his knees mm-hmm. up at like the very last second and I thought that was like shit man he could have hurt his knees and his hips doing that shit I mean dude seriously I, he he worked so hard on not trying to telegraph shit it was great I mean dude Kenny Omega still went out there with passion mm-hmm. last night don't get me wrong it was a good match but it was it was sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. It, there was there was no strong style. I want to see. They were slapping the and, shit out of each other. Yeah, but w- watch Omega versus Okada. Mm-hmm. Then watch Tanahashi versus Omega. No, watch uh, Omega versus Abushi. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They Just d- I'm I'm trying to prove a point of Wrestle Kingdom's past. I mean. Mm-hmm. Watch, I mean, even still, to me, watch Omega versus Taguchi at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> and then yeah. watch him versus Tanahashi. It, 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 there was something missing. Yeah. I, I hate saying it like that, and I hate being critical of guys I love, because I love Tanahashi. Yeah. And I love Omega, but there was something missing. There was, the fire was missing. Mm-hmm. The fire from Wrestle Kingdom was missing. I don't give a rat's ass what anybody else says. Half you motherfuckers doing podcasts can't whoop me anyway. So the only podcast I give a fuck about is B Robs and and my boy Jody's and a few other guys. But when it comes to wrestling, it's B Rob, motherfucker. I, I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm just putting the emphasis on the fact that, that was not a Wrestle Kingdom show. And if it declines again at Wrestle Kingdom 14, this is why I was talking about the last time I was a guest on this beloved podcast. Mm-hmm. The company's going downhill, and they've put in so much work to become an, an international brand mm-hmm. just to see it all go down the toilet because of douchebags that think they know what they're doing and they're trying to become the the, the Japanese Vince McMahon's is, is sickening. Yeah, because I mean, even um, when they did the year in review, like not of 2018, but like just showing what's coming up in 2019, they had a lot of United States shows up in there that they announced. Yeah, they they got one in Nashville. I'm actually going to try to go to. Okay. Uh, but I mean, do we really want do we really want it to decline like this is the whole thing? And AEW is a it it could possibly stunt any overseas growth in New Japan. I'm just being real here. It could. Well, let's let's talk about AEW. Then we can uh kind of wrap this down. Yeah. Backed by the what the Jacksonville Jaguars owner or the owner's son or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Billions. 
Yeah, so billionaire. He owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, overseas football league. That's soccer for us Americans. And, yeah, um, he has more money than Vince McMahon by a billion. Yeah, but um, t- I think times three was the analogy. So he's Vince, yeah, Vince yeah. McMahon times three. Yeah. So, so he can afford to give these guys lucrative contracts. Yeah. So do you feel like he's going to go, pun intended, all in on AEW? Yes, I do. I, feel, I also think he's a wrestling fan. Well, yeah, the, and, I, I've heard that. Um, I, I just listened to the Edge and Christian show with uh, Pete Dunne. And before they got to the Pete Dunne interview, they was talking about the um, the guy that's back in uh, AEW. And they was like, Christian had a one-on-one talk with him. And he was trying to talk about football. And the whole time, the dude was trying to switch the conversation to wrestling. <laughs> And he was telling, yeah. you know, he was telling Christian elements of his match that Christian, he said that he didn't even think that he was doing and shit. So he is really a fucking wrestling fan. And that's what's going to make this company work. That's what Ted Turner never was, was a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was just a spiteful motherfucker guys, with money. Yeah. Yeah. And the other guys who were, um, you know, more or less trying to compete with WWE, they never had the financial means to fuck with Vince McMahon. Yeah. Um, so do you keep you up? Know, but, do you um, do you keep an ear to, or do you keep up with the NWA franchise? Because I know Billy Corgan owns that now. Because uh, I mean that's that's kind of that's that's kind of the same example or whatever. He is like a hardcore wrestling fan, and he bought his but way. He don't in. have the money. Yeah, I mean, he bought his way into NWA or whatever, but I mean, he doesn't have as much money as a Vince or a freaking um, this guy that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. But he's yeah a guy that's real passionate about professional wrestling, and he bought his he way is into passionate, it. But there's something about NWA I don't like, mm-hmm. and um, I think they got the title on the wrong guy. Well, with I just, I, you, you think they got Nick the- Aldis. Oh, I was gonna say you. You think they got the wrong the wrong title on Willie Mack? <laughs> no, I, no. I, I'm actually a fan of Willie Mack. Oh, Willie I'm, Mack is did the Willie Mack win the NWA title? No, and I, no, 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 no. He they reintroduced another title. I think it's the United States title or some shit like that. Like the one oh, that looks oh. like the United States on the front, the big red strap. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, the original one that Ric Flair and, and Harley Race had. Yeah, yeah. Um, Willie Mack has that belt. All right, all right. No, I'm talking about Nick Aldis. I would rather see Willie Max have the world title than Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is missing an it factor. I've always mm-hmm. thought he was missing an it factor. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not a big fan of his. Yeah, uh, it's something off about him. Yeah, he, he and in his honest opinion, opinion, and Nick Aldis's honest opinion, he thinks he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, mm-hmm. and he he he's not. Well, you Let's should think that. Honest. You should think that about yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, don't let your overinflated ego make you think you're AJ Styles or Nakamura or mm-hmm. or Kenny Omega when you're damn sure not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really into the NWA branch of professional wrestling, but I mean, from what I've seen, he is the only noticeable face that I recognize. Him and Willie Mack, of course, but he's the only recognizable face Jazz. that I know. Chaz. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize that motherfucker. I actually, I went to WrestleMania Dallas and they had an NWA show or whatever. It was just different people within the NWA. Um, because the the way it works is is NWA is the top 
brand of um the region or whatever. So like there's NWA, then there's like uh let's just say Missouri State Wrestling NWA. That's yeah. a branch of NWA. Then they got this federation over here that's a branch of NWA. Then they got this place over here that's a branch of NWA. So they had this big thing um one of those weekends. So it was just like all these different NWA factions were having different matches and the intermingling and everything. And he was there. Chaz. And I didn't fucking know who Chaz, female, bro. Huh? Oh, Jazz. I thought you said Chaz. I'm thinking about a motherfucker from uh, you know, who was tagging with Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> nah, nah. You talking about Charlie Haas? Yeah, Charlie Haas. That's that's who the fuck I'm yeah. thinking about. My bad. You yeah. said Jazz I'm, with a I'm J. About, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Willie Max White. She's been whoa. like the undefeated women's whoa, NWA whoa, whoa, champion whoa, whoa, for like whoa, 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 I think whoa, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold years on, hold now. on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait up. Back it up. Bring it back. They married. Okay. Yeah. Like for real, for real? Or are you just saying that? Yeah. No, they're for real married. Oh shit! I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and like he's been like the undefeated women's champion of NWA now for like I'm exaggerating, saying 20 years, but I mean it's been yeah. a long time. She's yeah, I, I, ass yeah, I've seen that, and she's been showing a little more um, presence on Twitter lately because of that fact and whatnot. I, did they get a new belt or something? I'm not for sure what Corgan's actually doing. He probably did get a new belt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I'm going to be honest with you. AEW is going to swallow up a lot of independent wrestling companies, including ROH. I think ROH is probably on its, uh, I hate saying it because I love ROH mm-hmm. and everything is so forth, but they're on their, they're, they're on life support. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, I think they can even buy out impact. Uh, they might. And I mean, I'm going to tell you now. Cause look, impact has, ju- impact has just changed stations again to some no name brand channel that I had never heard of ever again so they went from Spike TV to Destination America to Pop TV Mm -hmm. and now they own this other channel that I already forgot the name of that I've never heard of before so that's three it starts with a P I think yeah something like that but it's like a it's a hunting channel they got camouflage in a logo or whatever like hunting camouflage (laughs) yeah yeah um, I'm Seriously, AEW is about to put a lot of guys out of business. I think it's going to be bring a lot of guys to the United States that most people had never heard of or seen who can really do some damage in their ring. And I think they're going to give these guys something WWE doesn't. Yeah. They're going to give them free reign. And then there's another company out there that's in California that I've heard of. And, um, I, and, and it, it kind of brings all these different pieces together because um, was, was that a... Uh, those SoCal guys, uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian, um, Christopher Daniels, yeah, yeah. and uh, Scorpio Sky. I know they're going to have something to do with it. They're going to probably be in there somewhere. But um, they got another promotion called uh, AAW that they've been talking about is kind of teetering on the edge of going out of business as well. And those three guys have like big stake in that company as well, too. So I yeah. kind of feel like that's going to get folded up in there somehow, some way, because of the connection between all these different individuals. I really think that you should get Josh Baroni on here to do a podcast with you. Uh, and I'm putting it out here on the air because he actually listens to your podcast. <laughs> and yeah, and you need to get him on here because the guy has been a booker and a promoter and been involved in the wrestling business for over 20 years. He's Phil Baroni's cousin, Phil Baroni, the New York bad boy from Pride. Uh, this guy, he knows more about wrestling than me, honestly. 
mm-hmm. and he has a he has a lot more insight into uh, anything that has to do with California wrestling. Period. Mm-hmm. He is California wrestling. I mean, the guy is that man. Uh, you really need to get him on here and and let him give you some insight onto some stuff like this, because uh, he could really like, you know open up some people's eyes and the, and you talk about somebody's got some opinions. Y'all think I got some opinions. Get this motherfucker started on Nia Jax. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think she blocked him on Twitter. He clowned her so bad. All right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, before we wind down, you hook that up for next weekend and then me, you and him can triple threat this motherfucker. I will definitely try to do that, but I want to end on this. AEW, they're about to sign everybody. You think they're going to sign and then and more <laughs> and more. Yeah. Guys like from overseas, guys like Slex, they're probably going to be here in the U.S. here soon. And if you've never seen Slex, Google motherfuckers. Um, I think they're I mean, we know Flip's going to be there, of course. Yeah. He just signed a new deal. He just signed a deal with uh, ROH for like two years, though. But then yeah, again, but it, I, in his contract, he's a he's a. um Oh, you got He's the, still considered independent, and he can take independent dates. Uh, true, true. And, and, you know, I, I feel like they're going to have a lot of that going on as well. They have to if they yeah. wanna, if they um, wanna, if they want to if they want to be a major player and distinguish themselves for any from anybody else. Well, especially WWE, they got to have those you know free floaters that can come in and out whenever they want to. I'm gonna tell you, somebody else is probably going to sign with AEW, and you're going to hear hear it here first from your boy, the Anomaly, mm-hmm. Dolph. I, Ziggler will be in AEW. I can see it. You heard it here first. He will be there. There'll be a lot of guys jumping shit from WWE to AEW very soon. Carl Anderson will be in AEW. Okay. We got some bold predictions. I like this. (laughs) I'm I'm just telling you, there's a lot of guys unhappy with the WWE and their creative push. Mm-hmm. Who are good friends with Cody yeah. and the Bucks? Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if, when certain a uh, certain phenomenal one's contract is up, he goes to AEW. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm very intrigued of what uh, the future brings, and it's it's only only thing it's doing is benefiting us as fans because it's giving me you know more options and more alternatives to watch you know so I'm down for yeah. it Pentagon Pentagon will be in AEW yeah zero fear exactly and who doesn't want to see the rematch between him and Omega yeah what so about- say Omega the WWE is offering him 23 point I think it's they might 25.3 million over a five year period mm-hmm Suppose the Jacksonville Jaguars owner says, I'll give you thirty million for five years. Mm. It's, it's gonna be interesting, man, because I mean if if dude is full bore on it, if he's willing to like throw money down on this thing, I mean, because he has more than enough. I, I really hope we see like more competitive competition. Cause that's what happened with WCW and WWE, WWF or whatever. It forced them to you know, get out of their comfort zone and do something different. And I believe if 
put together well and backed right, AEW can do the same thing again for WWE. I mean, we we wouldn't be in a. I don't think it'll be to the point to where one of these companies is going to have to fucking fold or some shit like that because there's money out there for everybody and WWE already signed some fucking contracts for some multi-billion million dollar shit. So it's going to be interesting. That's all I'm saying. There's only, dude, you want to see some real competition. We're about to see some real competition and we might just see somebody uh, named Phil Brooks come back to the ring. Um, That's what we've been hearing. That's what we've been hearing. He needs yeah. to. He should have. He should have been did that shit. But whatever. I mean, now there's a avenue, another place for him to go that can probably pay him what he's worth. Well, what he thinks he's worth. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a big time draw, and there's a lot of people that still want to see him. Yeah. So you think AJ comes I mean, with him? I think he might. No, I'm talking about his wife, AJ. Oh, oh, AJ Mendez. Mm-hmm. It, we're going to have to see what the women's division looks like in AEW. But I mean, I'm just saying this. They had the means and the money to book major venues and sell out major venues at the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, Nationwide, all, all through the U.S., they can do that. Yeah, especially the first so, year. Especially the first year. <laughs> yeah, so as long as they keep get, if they go out there and they get Wrestle Kingdom performances every fucking night, that they book an arena or they book a show or they do all this and that and that and the other, they about to get the WWE some real competition. So AEW could, could change the entire landscape of wrestling. Yeah. It really could be out of a shadow of a doubt. It could change the world. <laughs> it could, it really could. And I'm not just saying that, but I do. It's a, this AEW starts having strong style type matches here in the United States and New Japan keeps on going the, the rate they're going. New Japan is not going to be big in the States much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And WWE fans are already pissed off. Yeah. And then um, as far as progression goes, I, I think I, I forgot where I said this before or if I tweeted it or whatever the fuck going on, but there was something put out. It had to be on Twitter because somebody put out there if, um, they had uh, Hangman Page, Marty Scroll, Cody Rhodes, the Bucks, and um, I think maybe Kenny Omega. Pretty much the elite crew. There's like if one of these people had to retire, who would you rather see go? And my first pick was Cody because I, I feel like, I mean, he's okay in ring, but his passion goes beyond just being a professional wrestler as we can see with this AEW stuff. And I believe out of all the names that I just listed, he could be, you know, the one that can easily just go and be a manager or run the business or do this and do that and have all these other multi, you know, everybody else in that list seems like they just are professional wrestlers at a, at a core other than the books, because this is part of their business adventure as well. But I believe Cody has the most potential to like retire early or whatever and just be the man behind the scenes pulling the strings. That uh, that's probably going to happen, especially if he keeps on getting injured. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, man, uh, Indianapolis just knocked out the Houston Texans. Oh, uh, I don't give a shit. I don't like Texas anyway. Uh, <laughs> I just live here. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I was just letting everybody know who's watching football. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Texans. <laughs> I do. 
Yeah, I've been watching the game the whole damn time. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I've been on my phone too. <laughs> damn, that's deep. You've been on the phone. I've been watching football. Ain't that a bitch? Hey, uh, and we still have the frame of mind to discuss professional wrestling. <laughs> because we are professionals. Yes, exactly. But uh, speaking of being professional, I'm going to professionally close out this show, sir. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you on as per usual. And um, we're going to do this again. We're going to probably try to get that triple threat going on. And um, I'm going to try to make this a more consistent thing. And if I can manage to do that as well, if your schedule permits you to join me, you're always welcome to join me, sir. Yes, sir. And we're definitely going to do that because I love B-Rob and I love this podcast and uh, fuck everybody else's podcast, damn it. (laughs) Wrestling wise, wrestling wise. Love you, Jody. (laughs) All right. On behalf of myself and the man, the myth, the legend that they call Anomaly, we bid you a fond adieu.